imagine for a second if you could have treatment which fits you better than a tailored suit. In some cases, newfound biostatistics tools and custom medicines like gene therapies open new doors for patients. After today's pod, you'll know all the practical and impractical uses of precision medicine for patients. Your well-being should be about thriving instead of surviving. It's about time to empower yourself and navigate our healthcare system with ease. My name is Rishi and this is the show, Friendly Neighborhood Patient. So what actually is precision medicine? Aren't doctors already supposed to customize treatments for each given patient's situation? The short answer is yes, but the longer answer leaves a key gap that I want to talk about. What the majority of doctors follow is evidence-based medicine, which is, a, of course, a time-tested process. A patient arrives to the clinic with XYZ history and suffers from XYZ complications. The provider then suggests the best clinical or surgical options based on what has worked for the disease in the past, as well as what makes sense from experience in med school, residency, etc. In essence, treatment is targeted for alleviating symptoms or root causes of symptoms, which is great. But notice that potential solutions are personalized to the given disease more so than the patient directly. That distinct but kind of subtle intent is where precision medicine begins. As you may imagine, patients with a given disorder can have wildly different reactions to similar treatment. To be clear, evidence-based medicine has way more benefits than drawbacks. Precision medicine has been promoted over the last couple decades as taking care to another level. The greatest benefit patients get from precision medicine is that any treatment you take is created from your specific environment, lifestyle, and genetic makeup. For example, if someone ends up with a disease like lung cancer, there could be a customized therapy targeting the problem with that patient's genome in mind. Although genomics is a huge part of precision medicine today, especially with everything we've learned since the U.S.'s Human Genome Project finished up in the 2000s, Precision medicine was in motion before then, when the textbook Pharmacogenetics was published in 1962 by Dr. Werner Kahlo. A helpful article on the Harvard Data Science Review dives more into the historical buildup of precision medicine, which I'll link on my Substack page, found at rishinagala.substack.com. Even before the 20th century, doctors were interpreting data linked to the onset and treatment of disease to craft better treatment options. For example, there might be a group of patients who all suffer from severe asthma. Precision medicine could, in theory, still occur here without going into each patient's genetic profile. In this situation, doctors could see that patients 1 to 100 live in cleaner air environments than patients 101 to 150. Maybe patients 80 to 120 have other issues that make the asthma worse or better, and so on. Modelers then crunch and reformat all that unstructured data to suggest treatment for each person. Obviously, evidence-based medicine isn't going away. If a whole region is dealing with an unusual flu outbreak, we know that making tweaks to the annual flu vaccines will do a reasonable job targeting the specific changes made by that strain of the flu itself without needing to consider every individual situation case by case. Evidence-based care is still part of the foundation of what precision medicine does, but since in this day and age, we're generating so much data and to have a better understanding of our genetic code, there is more runway for precision medicine to take off such that patients may someday get one of one solutions to their issues. 
shifting over the genetic focus of modern precision medicine shows us that we can still deal with patients who respond differently to common treatments. Some patients may need varying dosages, treatment lengths, or alternative choices because of side effects. Having 100% unique solutions for each person's medical issue is a wonderful and utopian thing on paper. The reality of precision medicine's main playing field is cancer treatment, which is life-saving but not cheap. Around 90% of precision treatments approved by the FDA in 2018 were for cancer indications. Well-known cancer therapy brand labels like Keytruda by Merck or Herceptin by Roche cost multiple hundreds of thousands a year before insurance discounts. There also could be issues between how customized the medicine is versus whether the patient actually matches up well to do the treatment. Cancer therapies are anything but short experiences, and not all patients can handle extended courses even if the treatment at hand is a perfect match for their genes. Not to mention that a skilled oncologist wouldn't be enough to oversee the treatment alone, since there would be considerable expense involved for doing genetic sequencing and reading out results that not all doctors are trained to understand. Not all medical facilities are equipped to perform this kind of care regardless of superb personnel. It's also difficult to do a clinical trial to make better custom medicines in the first place, since, by definition, uncommon diseases affect less people, so clinical study recruitment becomes a whole separate challenge. This is part of why the biggest irony of precision medicine is that individual solutions improve only when you accumulate enough data at the population level. There is nothing inherently wrong there, but that's just where precision medicine is at for now. A recent in-depth review by the Brookings Institution think tank offers some insight on how agile governance, which is a policy approach for regulators to make better private and public partnership decisions for the purposes of innovation, can bring down precision medicine costs and ease logistical problems. That analysis in particular focuses on aggregating private and public healthcare data, improving direct-to-consumer genetic testing initiatives, and building international relationships between drug regulators, among other possible initiatives, to make precision medicine a little more practical. Without a doubt, the medical field is still a number of years away from having consistent treatments with a capacity for individual genetic modifications serving patients at the clinic level. However, your care can still improve with better clinical decision-making that still takes your social, genetic, and medical history into account, so medicine doesn't reduce itself to only a bunch of if-then statements. Another field of medicine that shouldn't be reduced to algorithms is mental health, which is the prime subject of next week's pod. At that time, we'll learn about what mental health resources exist and how to use them well. Stay tuned and subscribe to Friendly Neighborhood Patient for the big and small pictures of healthcare. I'll catch you at the next episode.